It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hey, my name is Zoe Lee Grace Likens. And you're listening to Daddy. And we're on. This is the Let's Talk Cheer podcast, and I'm your host, Jason Larkins. Where we talk cheer, we talk life, and we talk whatever comes to mind. Five, six, seven, eight, let's get started. Turn it up and tune in into Let's Talk Cheer with Jason Larkin. We're talking cheer, we're talking like we know we're always talking. So listen up, you boy, about to go all in. Five, six, seven, eight, we're on, let's begin. This is episode number 93. Not sure if there's going to be a 94, but thank you for joining another great episode for you guys. And guys, you know, there are some episodes where I think to myself, you know, what are we going to talk about this week? And there are other episodes where I can't wait to cover exactly what we're talking about. And this is one of those episodes. Tons of things to cover. We talk about GSSA, how that competition went, the pros and the cons of the event. Code of points, division one, division two splits. And then I respond to a survey that had some harsh criticism for your boy. So definitely be sure to stay tuned for that. If it's your first time here, thank you for checking out the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're checking us out on YouTube, definitely be sure to smash that like button. And everyone, if you haven't subscribed yet, please definitely subscribe. You do not want to miss out on any future episodes that we have going on. Shout out to my mother, Sheila, Claire, Sarah, Robin, Adriana, Chanel, Tamara, Mycel, our not-so-mysterious supporter, Heather Peterson of Flipside, Pablo, representing for all the cheer dads out there, and our newest mate, Michelle. Thank you for your donations. If you want to financially support the podcast, you can do so for as little as 99 cents a month. Link in the show notes, link in the description. You'll click on it and then you can make your donation and support the podcast. Again, another great way to support the podcast is our Let's Talk Cheer podcast t-shirts. Those have been available for about a week now and they will be available for about another week. So if you want to rock a Let's Talk Cheer podcast t-shirt, Hit the pause button right now, go to the show notes, go to the link, and then click on it. Pre-orders end January 31st. Don't wait until it's too late. And as always, for those of you guys looking for the best free way to support the podcast, all you have to do is share the podcast, send it to a friend, send it to another coach or gym owner, send it to another parent, and you can post it on your social media. And when you post it on your social media, you have entered to win the giveaway. I've talked about this 
plenty of times, but for anyone who is new, here is the recap. I am giving away a free coaches training with me. We'll hop on a Zoom call together, you and the other coaches at your gym, and we'll either do one of my prepared presentations or we'll just do an open Q&A and talk some cheer. All you have to do to win is take a screenshot of an episode of the podcast, post that on your Instagram story, and then tag our show in the story. That's it. Share the podcast on your story. Tag the Let's Talk Cheer podcast Instagram on that post and you are entered. The winner will be announced in episode 95. The more shares, the more entries. Someone is going to win. Why not you? I'm the cheer director at American Cheer, AKSC.com, sharing with you my life, running a program, managing a staff, coaching the athletes, and working with the parents. And on the other side of the microphone is a real-life cheer parent who represents all of you parent listeners. Don't be less when you can be more. Be more how is life after a competition weekend. Life is typical after a comp weekend. Um, it's kind of nice <laughs> because this one was in town, so definitely not as exhausted from the drive, whether it, you know, it was only like 20 minutes for me from my house. So that was nice. Um, early call times yesterday, Sunday. So I definitely took a nap when I got home. <laughs> um, yep. But, you know, washing those uniforms, getting them all hung up, everything organized and ready for next weekend because we will be leaving town for another competition. Yeah, we'll go to Masterpiece, always a fan favorite of our parents. So Masterpiece and San Jose, it's been a while since we've been there. We didn't go last year, chose to go to American Grand. And then the year before, it was in Daly City. And so basically San Francisco, it was only like 15, 20 minutes from San Francisco. So it's been a while since it's been in San Jose. So glad that it's back in San Jose because we always have a good time there. But yeah. But we'll talk about that next week. But right now, let's recap GSSA Grand Nationals in Bakersfield, California. So I got things I want to talk about with the event. I know that you have some things you want to talk about with the event. And so let's dive into it. So I guess first for me, I really like GSSA Bakersfield. I think it's a great event. It's bounced around. You know, since I've been in cheer, it's been in San Jose, Sacramento, Los Angeles. I personally think it has found a home in Bakersfield. Now, that's just my personal opinion. I know that it's not a travel destination for for lots of families, probably, or lots of programs. You know, it's not Palm Springs or San Diego or San Francisco or something like that. But I really like that it's in big one, well, obviously us as American, I like that it's here in Bakersfield and, but you know, I don't want to go to Palm Springs twice or, you know, those, these things, twice. you know, I want to go spread it out a little bit. And, you know, this is just my, again, this is just my personal opinion, but I don't think, and you can argue with me if you want to on this, but I think I'm right. I don't think there's another event on the West coast with better seating and viewing than at mechanics bank arena because it's actually in well not the arena but mechanics bank theater because it's actually in a theater built for shows right it's in a theater built for performances right all the other places that we go to are in convention halls built for conventions so all the seats are flat and then you know it's really hard to see unless you're actually in that pit but the mechanics bank 
theater is built for shows because obviously it's a theater. So the seats are better than any other place that we go and compete. Uh, really nice seating, really good viewing. If you just want to cha- so if you wanted to stay and watch teams perform all day, like it's it's not a bad spot. I actually think it's the best unless there's a place I can't think of. USA Nationals used to be in the arena, which had really good seating, but now they just do it in the convention hall. So B, can you think of a place that has like better seating and like viewing than than Bakersfield? Honestly. No, not any competition that I've ever been to. I mean, you know, you mentioned like the destination places. Yeah, it's not a destination place, but seating is, their, their seating is fabulous. We sat at one point at the, all the way at the top and I almost was like, I just want to sit here all day because I get perfect viewing for everything. Um, you know, you can sit off to the side, but you're still stage level. Uh, it, it's perfect. It, it really is good seating. It'd be so nice if... That's how all of our seating was, but that's not yeah, case. for sure. So, yeah, so um, I really like that. I thought warm ups went smooth. I thought, you know, we had good competition. You know, SC Cheer came up, South Bay came up. Um, who else? Oh, California Pride was there. I'm trying to think whether D1 programs were there that we competed against. Um, if I'm forgetting anyone, please forgive me. But I know that those three programs were there um, with us. So we had good, solid competition in all of our divisions. Uh, a lot of good D2 programs came up. I met a few uh, programs. It was really cool, you know, standing there at Aki's score. Or no, this is before. We're standing on stage waiting for one of our teams to come on. And this program came up. And like, oh, you know, we listened to the podcast. So that was super cool. So shout out to, I think it was Vibe. I think that's the name of the program. Name program name of the team. They had a really solid uh, level three team. I was like a co like a small co ed three. I was really impressed with. Um, but yeah, so solid. I really I, I really like the event. So let's see some things that I would like to complain about. I feel bad about this particular complaint because I feel like I should make this complaint to the powers that be before I put it on the pod but uh the first but i have complained about it before that's why i don't feel that bad but cheer replay so after the athletes compete they get to watch their video i know i've talked about this before on the podcast i know i've brought it up to varsity before but after the athletes compete they get to go and watch their video of their performance and because how far the walk is from where they compete to where their video is it's like a, you know, the kids have to get off stage and they're trying to catch their breath and all these things. By the time they get to their video, like they're halfway through the routine. And so I go, okay, guys, like I try to rush so they can see it. And I'm like, all right, guys, well, we're, we're wrapping up the elite and, you know, they don't get to actually see the routine. So that's like a big complaint. I know I've talked about this on the podcast before. This is just for all varsity. Ev- it's for all events everywhere, but we, you know, do a lot of varsity events. I would love for them to bring back the the routines on the side of the stage as they perform. They used to do that. I used to love that. So that as the athletes are performing, they used to have screens on the side of the stage and, you know, it was just synced up, right? And so you would see the routine on the side of the stage as they performed. I I wish Varsity would bring that back. That was such a cool thing that they used to do. And you don't have to do it at every single event, but I think at all of our grand nationals our world event our world bid events our paid world bid events that they should bring that back that's such a cool thing and i'd really like for them to bring that back let's look i had some other things on my notes as far as things i wanted to uh 
talk about, well, that's, that's that. I want to really talk about code of, of points. So I'll let you, I know you had some things. I want to talk about code of points and then kind of D1, D2 split. So I, I'll let you hop in, talk about some of your, you know, pluses and minuses of the event. Um, first minus, I'm going to start out with the bad and end with the good. So we can end on a good note for me. <laughs> um, pricing was just out, out of the, out of the roof. I mean, I know we talked about it on the last one, but I just, I just don't understand. So I would love yeah. to, you know, like understand the reasoning behind it. Um, especially because I feel like they weren't really checking wristbands as much. At one point I had walked inside Saturday to drop the girls off and no one even looked to see if I had a wristband. I mean, I know I had an athlete with me, but no one even asked me. They didn't say like, what, you know, you need a wristband. Or I, I didn't say like, mm -hmm. hey, I'm dropping my kid off. So I could have stayed in there and never left and been in there for free. Um, there was like one lady standing there, uh, which I just, I don't know. I thought that was kind of crazy. Um, I personally liked, I mean, and I don't know whose issue it is or what the issue is. I liked how in the past years we have had a rented a room like inside the Marriott as opposed mm -hmm. to where our room was rented at this year. And, you know, maybe that's for, they had things booked and things like that. So maybe that's why they didn't do that. Um, which is fine, you know, um, other than that, I don't think I really had like any minuses. Um, and you know, pluses, the seating is great. There's plenty of seating for everybody in there. Um, I will say this and I will probably get a lot of heat from our parents and I've prepared myself for that. Thought about it all night and all day today. <laughs> I was sadly, I was a little disappointed in our parents this time. Um, you know, I wish I would have taken a picture or a video and I thought about it, but I didn't because some of the other teams and they weren't from around here, you know, they had probably a, a, a couple hour drive, you know, um, they packed that pit like crazy and they were that they were so loud at some point and which is great for their teams, like really showed true support. And I just feel like we didn't have that much this weekend. And I understand because the pit is so low and you want to be able to see everything. But I just think like, I know I talk to my girls and they always look for me in the pit and they can always hear me because I'm super loud. Um, but I think us, as a whole, like cheering on our team, whether it not be your child's team or it is your child's team. I think that gets them like pumped up. I know for my kids, it does. Like when the crowd gets wild, they get bigger smiles. And I feel like they are proud to be on that stage even more than they already are. And, you know, they just get this vibe of like, let's do this. Like, let's kill it out here. And I mean, if, you know, the reason being is, oh, my seats. I don't know. I just like, I went down for every team that I was there for. I went down for every team, even though my kids, you know, weren't on those teams. Um, I have friends, kids that were on other teams. And when I have, when my girls aren't on stage, I try to stand like towards the back instead of the front. So the parents of the athletes that are performing can be closer to the front. Um, 
I don't know. I just really, truly was a little disappointed in our parents this weekend. And you guys can get mad at me. I hope you don't. But um, I just don't think like the valid reason of, oh, I didn't want to lose my seat or I could see was a good enough reason for me. You know, like I would have mm-hmm. liked to sat up top the whole time and watched my kid perform. But my kids look for me. And I know that they can't be the only kids that look for their parents, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So that that was my little thing. I just, I hope that we can, you know, bring it a little bit louder um, next competition just and see more people in the pit. I mean, like, and this is not for, you know, if you have a disability or a handicap or something like that. Like I totally understand that. Like that is complete opposite. Or if you have a young kid that, you know, you just, or baby, you know, you don't feel comfortable taking them down there. I understand that. Like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like completely capable people walking down, you know, like Mm -hmm. I didn't have an assigned seat the whole time. So I, and I, but I was okay with that. And maybe it's just the difference of opinion, but hopefully next weekend we will bring the pit noise. And I, I agree with you. I was a little disappointed in our families as a whole, especially for the teams that I went to go watch, like down in the pit, you know, we're with teams in the warm-up room all day. So I'll get the opportunity to watch every single team because we usually have a team in warm-ups at the same time we have a team performing, right? But for the teams that I went down to see, for the most, now we had some really, there were some performances where we had lots of crowd support, but there were some performances where I can honestly say I was a little disappointed. Now, by by time this episode releases, we will have had a Facebook uh, score sheet live with our families, and I've gone, I'll go over all of the score sheets of the teams that performed this past weekend at GSSA. But during that time, I'm going to take the opportunity to say, Hey guys, I was a little disappointed in our, in our crowd support. Right. And I would go and see families like literally just standing there with a camera and just, you know, watching the routine and being spectators. Like it's a, like it's a, a round of golf, right? Like silence, you know, while they're there, you know, and, and our athletes truly need that support when they're out there on the floor. You don't understand how many times, like it's every time. Right before we walk onto the stage, the athletes go, hey, coach, can you make sure that they're, they're really loud for us today? Of course. Yeah. Hey, well, we got you guys. Right. And they really, and every time we're at practice, the athletes go, you know, if junior white and senior black are practicing together, right? Senior black, hey guys, you guys are going to go full out and someone on senior black will go, hey, can junior white, you know, can they stay and watch us? Yeah, of course. Or if junior blue and youth white are practicing, Youth White's going to go full out and Coach Bailey will go, hey, Jason, can Junior Blue watch Youth White? Of course. Yeah, let, let's do that. And we'll we'll make sure that we build up that. I, I'm telling you, it, even when I was an athlete myself, when I was on the stage, I would look out into the crowd and see my mom or see a friend who came to like watch me and go like, oh, there goes there goes like one of my friends in the crowd. And it would give me as simple as it sounds, it would give me a burst of energy and just like, okay, like they came to watch me and to see them go and create one of my favorite memories. And it's why I get so animated as a coach when I'm out there on the stage. My very first competition, we go out there, right? My first one, never competed before. And we're in the middle of the routine and I see my coach, the Ray Jasper. 
he is out there and he's just jumping up like crazy. And I remember thinking to myself, we must be doing pretty well. Like he's like really excited right now. Now, turns out we had absolutely bombed, but I just remember seeing his face and him jumping up with his fist and everything. And I remember how that made me feel as an athlete. And I want to bring that to our athletes out there on the stage. And I would feel that our parents would want to give that same love to our, to their kid, you know, their flesh and blood out there on the stage, or if it's not their flesh and blood, you know, to the kids out there on the stage, because these, these kids, no matter how good they are, they truly do get nervous out there on the stage and they want and need that crowd support from their friends and families. So families out there, bring the noise. And the other thing that made me, you said, I wish I could have filmed. I, I felt the same exact way. We had just got done with one of our teams and I was walking back up to watch the video of, of our team that just performed. Actually, we had just got done watching our video and I was coming out of the little hall and a team who was it? Callie always has a good crowd. It was, um, who was it? Who was going on? Lady Swag, their senior four team. They were going on and their crowd was just erupting. Like they had packed the pit and we had a really close division. We were uh, raw score. Everyone was only separated by two tenths, right? So I think they were one tenth behind first. And then we, uh, we were one tenth behind them raw score wise. And so they know, hey guys, it's close. It's going to come down to day two, basically. And their crowd was just, just over the top, like loud, right? And I, and I wish I would have filmed that to be able to compare and then film one of our teams and how lackluster we were to be able to compare those two things and guess who ended up winning that competition, right? That, that, that crowd that brought that energy for, for those teams, right? And this is actually very coincidental. I remember we, um. California All-Stars had rented the gym from us on Saturday. And I went to, I was there closing. And so the coach was like, hey, um, do you want to pray us out and break with us as we, you know, wrap up practice? I was like, sure. So I go to their little uh, circle and he's giving their, you know, closing practice speech. And he's like, hey guys. And he's talking to the world's team. Hey guys, you know, good day, blah, blah. But if you guys can try to be there for some of those lower level kids uh, we have like, you know, three more performances tomorrow with our gym and try to be there for them if you can. And he said, you know how it is when you guys used to be, he said Sable. So I think that's their J4. You guys remember when some of you guys used to be on the J4, how we would have a weak crowd on Saturday. We'd hit on Saturday, have a weak crowd and then have a strong crowd on Sunday and then instantly go up by three points. Like you guys remember that, right? That was a direct quote from a coach who says, you guys know what it's like when we have a great crowd. Our, our score instantly goes up three points, right? So parents, be there for your athlete because you guys truly make a difference to the athletes performing on stage. And then you have an influence over the judges who are judging the routines. Owners, directors, coaches, we are in comp season now. So if you're looking for a second set of eyes as you're gearing up for your big events, I'd love to help out. You send me a video of your routine and I send you a video back of your routine with what I would fix and how I would fix it. 
Teams I've done this for have gone on to be world champions, NCAA all-star champions, NCAA collegiate champions, summit champions, and D2 summit champions. So if this sounds like something you'd be interested in, you can reach me via email at Jason Larkins, or you can reach me on Instagram at Jason Larkins or on the Let's Talk Cheer podcast Instagram, Let's Talk Cheer podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we are back. So we're going to talk about some of my complaints. This wasn't really a complaint. This isn't really a complaint against GSSA or varsity or the judging per se, but it is an observation that I've noticed after our first varsity event using the new score sheet. And so I'm going to talk about some of these things and, you know, we'll talk about it. Now, everyone keep in mind. This is episode 93. In episode 95, I've already recorded episode 95 uh, with Shay Crawford. So episode 95 is going to have Shay Crawford, friend of the show, who, if you remember, he came on to argue for the reason why we need Coda points in cheerleading, if you guys remember that episode. And so in that episode, I've already asked him, hey, what are your thoughts on Coda points? It's still early. We, We haven't really, you know had a lot of time on it, but what are your thoughts on the episode? So we've already had that conversation, but you, this things are going to kind of sound out of order. Like, why was Jason like, you know, talking about code of points in one way in this episode. And now he's talking about code of points kind of another way in a different episodes. Cause now I've actually been on the score sheet a little bit more and have a new, you know, with new information comes new opinion. So my thoughts on code of points after a weekend. So and it's not really about code of points, but I can, it's not a complaint against code of points. But my biggest thing that I've noticed is is that the judges are still getting used to trying to judge this new score sheet. And so we had we brought 12 teams to the event this weekend. And I'm going to and this is not hyperbole. This is this is real. We brought 12 teams to the competition and probably about 9 of them there were mistakes in the judging that did not go in our favor, right? Where the judges made an error and we had to go and say, hey, this is wrong. We should have scored these points on it instead of this point. And and I don't think they're being biased towards American. I just think that the judges are getting, I'm guessing that of the whole competition, 75% of the the routines judged had mistakes because it was literally after our first team went, we had junior prep went. So junior stars went 
and I get a text message from the coach like, hey, we didn't get all of our points for standing tumbling. And I went and looked at it. I'm like, no, they didn't. And I just thought, well, she's a young coach. Maybe she didn't put enough kids in their standing tumbling pass. And she's like, no. And she looked, you know, we look and we go, no, there's there's enough kids. And we go, and we go, hey, there, uh, we didn't get our, our points for for this. And real quick, let me shout out to Nick. Shout out to Nick. He's our West Coast scoring specialist for varsity. Now, if you guys remember a year ago today, I was heated after GSSA because our score went from the highest score of the competition to like one of just the mid scores of the competition. And we lost out on the full paid bid. And I was heated after that competition and just, you know, we didn't have you know, the greatest conversation with Nick, right? We left that competition and it just kind of, it just wasn't all good. Nick was fantastic all weekend long. Uh, he, he worked with us. He was super accommodating, very patient. And it was, he did, I thought he did a fantastic job with as many times as we had to go. Co- I mean, literally Accu score back and forth. Like if there was something wrong. Like, hey, Nick, this isn't right. And he'd go look at it, go, no, you're right. Like that, that's incorrect. And he'd go and fix it for us. And then we'd come back and go, Hey, this isn't right. And sometimes it's like, Hey, like the way we're interpreting this is this. So I can't give you credit for that, but he was, you know, I thought he was fair and, and accommodating and, and patient and had to do that. And it wasn't just with our program. I mean, AccuScore was just packed all day long. So I did, I thought Nick did, did a great job. So shout out to Nick, but that first team, we get their score back and it's, you know, it's not right. And we go and we fix, I just think it's a one-off and then our next team goes and that one's not right. And so we have to go back to AccuScore and then our next team goes and we get our score back and that's not right. So real quick, just a recap, what code of points is that means varsity right now has given us a list of skills. If you do this many backhand springs in the routine, you're going to get this set of points. That's no argument. If you do 12, you know, back walk over backhand springs, you are going to get a, you know, a full five points. And if you do switch leg back walk over backhand springs, right? You do, you know, 15 of those, you're going to get this many points, right? And so all teams should know exactly what their difficulty score is in several categories, pretty much all the categories across the board, you know, what you're going to score. The only thing the judges are really filling out at this point are they're going to fill out, you know, creativity. They get to judge, you know, how creative was that routine on a scale of one to 10? They're going to judge your technique, you know, I don't want to say on a scale of one to 10, but you know, that's still kind of up to them a little bit. But our difficulty scores, we should know exactly what those are as coaches walking onto the floor. And when it's not that, there's a problem. We either, we either had a misinterpretation of what they meant by, you know, this or that, or the judges have just, you know, missed it. And we were back there a lot going like, hey, this isn't right. And so it seems that, you know, the big problem with, you know, comparing cheer to gymnastics is, Gymnastics, as far as as far as I know, now I don't follow gymnastics. I'm not like a huge gymnast guy, but as far as I know, with code of points for gymnastics, the athletes go out onto the floor with their routine already judged for difficulty. So before they even walk on the floor, they already have a set score of 15. Like this routine that they are going to throw, 
here in a second is a 15. And as long as they throw said routine, they're going to get a 15, right? And so the judges are only judging the technique of that routine. The problem that we have with cheer is that although we know what skills are going to get us certain points, the judges are trying to decipher what skill is being thrown. If that is a level appropriate, advanced level appropriate, or elite level appropriate, <clears throat> how many of those skills are being thrown? And then it's like a matrix. So they're trying to figure out, depends on what combination you do those things in. So if you do most of your athletes and they're doing an elite pass, most and elite determines a certain amount of points. But majority and elite determines a certain another amount of points. And most in advance is a set of points. And most and elite is a certain amount of points. And you can do like all these different combinations. And then it's not only that, but there's these other points on the score sheet that that those combinations have an impact on. And so it's a lot to, although the score should be exact, it's a lot to decipher in a two minute and 30 second routine, plus they get another two minutes, three minutes, whatever it is to rest. So they get basically five minutes to decipher what skills you're throwing, what type of skill it is, like where does it fall, advanced, you know, level appropriate, elite. And then, you know, how many did you do? Was it most? Was it majority? Was it max? All those different things, where those points are assigned. Not to mention they're judging your technique score on top of that. How was their approach? How were their landings? How was their timer? So they have a lot, a lot more things to try to decipher in that same amount of time. So I am not exaggerating when I'm saying about 75% of our teams were incorrect, not giving us the, the favor. Like it was incorrect, not in our favor, right? And so we had to go back and go, hey, we're missing these points. We're missing these points. And again, I'm guessing that was 75% of the competition, not just American. And so if a coach doesn't know the score sheet all that well, what they should have been scoring, I'm guessing a lot of coaches, there's a lot of good coaches who went and said, hey, like I didn't get all my points here. But I'm guessing there are a lot of coaches who just don't know what they're supposed to be scoring and just accepted their points the way that they were. Now, again, I don't think that was a GSSA thing. Maybe we had a new judging crew, so maybe it, it is specific towards GSSA, but I think that's probably something that judges in across the nation are struggling with right now. I actually heard judges say that at our first two events, which weren't varsity, but they used the United Scoring System, who said, oh yeah, like it's taken, we need 20 minutes to judge each of one of these routines. And I heard that at both of those events from the judges. So it seems that the learning curve for judging the event is taking longer than expected, which caused just a lot of, you know, us in the, uh, you know, AccuScore going back and forth with that. So eventually they got it right, but you don't want to have to, you know, with Coda points, we want it to be easy. That, that was the point of it is so that it would be easy that we get our score and go, Hey, our score is right. And now our scoring, our scores, you know, we're in AccuScore more, because of Coda points and we were prior to Coda points. So hopefully it gets better. I'm guessing it's going to get better as they get used to it. But, you know, as we talk about with, as I talk about with Shay in episode 95, we're talking about what well, they need to separate some things out. Like some, not all these things can be elite anymore. And some of these things need to be advanced. 
And if the if the skills keep changing, it's going to be hard for the judges to memorize what's an elite skill, what's an advanced skill. And as long as those skills keep changing, it's going to be we're going to continue to make errors on, you know, hey, that was an elite skill. We still got credit for that because we're not going to be able to memorize. That's like one of the hardest parts about the score. It keeps changing and it's hard to I say this all the time. The nuances of the score sheet, we've got to have the same score sheet. So so coaches and judges can figure out the nuances of the score sheet so we can prepare our teams the best way we can. By the time we get to summer, we're all going to have it memorized and good and get in a groove of what scores well. And then we're going to you know, start all over and then we're all going to be in this mess again a year from now. So anyway, that's my rant. That's one thing I would like to put out into the ether. As far as, you know, a complaint, but again, I don't think it's a, it's not a varsity complaint. It's not a GSSA complaint. It's just something I, I noticed that we as an industry should probably tighten up on, um, B any questions, anything I need to clarify about my, my whole rant I just went on. (laughs) I think everybody knows by now, Jason, you always go on rants. (laughs) Uh, but no, nothing you need to clarify. I think it makes sense to me. I mean, I think you coaches know more about why we need a code of points than anything. So um, maybe one day we can make that happen. Yeah, we'll see. So, all right, guys, well, we're going to get to one more break. Well, it's not the last break, but we're going to get to another break. And then I'm going to talk about some unattended consequences of division guaranteed division one division two split. So hold tight. And we'll talk about that. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi wild cherry. Pepsi wild cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. All right, and we are back. Now I'm going to talk about guaranteed Division I, Division II splits and the unattended consequences that has caused in the industry from my personal experience, right? So before USASF has a, they have like a matrix of rules on when they split division one and division two. I haven't looked at it in a while. It might've been updated, but it says in order to split, there needs to be teams, both a small team and a medium team, like two smalls, two mediums. If there's not two smalls and two mediums, then they just compete as one. So that happened in the senior four division this weekend. There were two small senior fours, us and SC cheer, but there's only one medium senior four, lady swag. So we competed all as just senior four, not small senior four and medium senior four. Hope that makes sense. And then they have a thing and it goes. And then after that, they do it again for division one, division two. And it's basically the same thing. You can then, then event producers, right? GSSA has the option. If there are two small senior four division one programs and two small senior four division two programs, you can then split the division again. Small senior four division one, small senior four division two. 
But if there's not two small senior four division uh, twos, then the division two competes, you know, with the division ones and it's just called small senior four. I hope that all, does that all make sense so far? Yes, it does. It makes sense. There we go. Okay. So that's at a normal competition, right? Where it's not guaranteed. Now what happened was happened in recent years is that when a event didn't guarantee a division one, division two split is that, you know, all the division one and division twos would kind of compete with each other, but then some divisions were plenty big where they were able to split it out. And when that wasn't guaranteed, division two programs would basically avoid that competition. They go, oh, uh, spirit sports is, is one of them, or at least it was one of them at one point. Spirit sports didn't split division one, division two. Guarantee, we didn't guarantee a division one, division two split. So D2 programs would avoid spirit sports. Like, oh, we're not going to go to spirit sports because we're going to have to compete against division one programs and we don't want to compete against division one programs. So then what events started doing was saying, hey, we're going to have guaranteed division one, division two split. So at GSSA, if you notice, it's called the you know GSSA Grand National Championships Division One, Division Two, like Division One, Division Two championships, right? So what's happening is basically there are two separate events going on. It's the Division One GSSA Grand National Championship and the Division Two GSSA Grand National Championship. I, I, technically, they aren't the same competition. They're like two different competitions that you're registering for, right? And so it means that division two teams are guaranteed not to compete against division one teams, which is why all the division ones happen in the morning. And then later on, all the division two happens in, in the afternoon and in the evening. Masterpiece is a guaranteed division one, division two split. And there's several of them on the on our competition schedule. Now, the problem with that is, you know, we brought, like I said, 12 teams, right? We had six prep teams, six elite teams. And on day one, our first team went on at eight o'clock and our, our first team went on at 8 a.m. And our last team was done at, I don't know, 12 or one, right? So we're getting everyone in, in a very short amount of time, in four hours, right? Four hours, all 12 of our teams are going. And so we are like chickens with our heads cut off, going back and forth between the warm-up room and the the competition floor going here, 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 because we're trying to pack all these teams in. And back in the day at spirit sports, what would happen is that, well, is we don't have an opportunity. I remember telling this to senior black yesterday is I just got done with red and we had senior black immediately after them. And I went and, you know, Ashley had started senior black. She was starting their warm up, and then Ashley had to run and go to something else. And so it was tag team. She tagged me in and then I was a senior black and I go, Hey guys. All right. So we have warm ups in about 30 minutes. Um, let's go. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And then we got to go. And I just felt like such in a rush. And I like try to take a deep breath. And I remember just telling the kids like, sorry guys. Like I haven't even like said hi to you guys. Like I haven't even like said like, Hey guys, how's your day doing? How's your day going? You guys look great. Usually I tell, I try to tell the girls they look beautiful. Hey, you guys look great so far. Like you guys woke up, you put your makeup on, you guys look great. Like you guys should feel confident today, right? Like I try to just like bump them up. 
But I noticed myself just hopping straight into business because we're just such on this time, like we're just back and forth and we're in just like whirlwind of, of competition, like back-to-back teams. And so, I don't know. I feel like that's a, I remember being at Spirit Sports years ago, back before this was a thing. D1, D2 was just kind of first coming out and, you know, back in the day, everyone used to have to compete against everyone. And I remember being at Spirit Sports and I would, I would have a team that competed at 10 a.m., and they would go and compete at 10. And then they, when they were done, I would go and get lunch. And then I'd go and chill and watch some competition. And then I would go and legit read a book on coaching, right? I'd read a chapter on coaching and just get my mindset ready for the day. And I'd go over our score sheets, right, of the previous team that just went on. I'd look at the score sheets of that team and go, okay, we need to make these adjustments for tomorrow. Like, you're like, you know, and read them. And then meet my other team and then walk them through an entire warm up process, right? And, you know, and have like dedicated time to them. And I feel like now I don't get any dedicated time with our teams. We are just tag team. Go here, here, and here. I ran into a coach yesterday, right? Another Division One program, and she's like, "This is my seventh team in forty-five minutes." And I'm like, "Yeah, like I feel you, Hovi. Like I, we're just all in here all day long because of these mandatory Division One, Division Two splits." Now, I know there's a bunch of D two programs listening, going, "Jason." I feel, yeah, I feel for you, Jason, but it ain't worth me competing against California All-Stars to solve that problem for you. And I get that, right? I totally get that. But I think that we should, and I'm being dead serious about this. I think that we as an industry, you know, should be like, hey, USASF, is there a way that we can still guarantee Division One, Division Two splits, but allow them to compete in and out with each other so that coaches can get a break in between teams competing. Because seriously, this is so true. I already went over, you know, our incorrect scores with AccuScore. And that happened day one, day two, right? This legit happened. Day two, you know, we get score sheets. They're emailed to us. And so so we're always getting score sheets while we're with another team. So we get the score sheet and we're trying to look at the score sheet and just try to figure out, did we get all of our points? But you're trying to keep your attention on the team that's about to go compete. You're not trying to live in the past. You're trying to, this team is about to go compete. I need to make sure that they're prepared. And so as we're looking at trying to prepare this team and look at score sheets, we miss some things, right? And what happened with Youth White, we noticed, oh my gosh, they didn't get all of their points for you know this particular section. By the time Ashley catches it, Ashley goes and goes, hey, we didn't get all of our points. And, oh, yeah, it, not that they said this, but they already had, like, too bad. They already had awards. We've already had awards, right? Now, luckily, Youth White, in their situation, Youth White end up winning the event. But that could have been the difference between, we all, those scores were really tight. Um, that's something else about the code of points. I said this before, scores are going to be really, really tight. And they were all really, really tight yesterday. And by the time we get to some at these end of the year events, the scores are going to be really, really close again because they were all really, really tight uh, yesterday. Um, 
And so I think by the time we get to Summit, we're going to see or the end our end of season events, like towards the end of the season, we're going to see really, really tight scores when Varsity wanted to try to separate teams away from each other and create some separation. I think we're going to see really, really tight scores again, especially by the time we get to the end of the season and everyone has it dialed in. But back to the original story, Youth White won the competition, but had points still left on the board because we as coaches are running around like chickens with our heads cut off because we're trying to, you know, get teams in and out of the warm up room and onto the competition stage. So again, my proposal is that we go, Hey, USASF, can we have competitions that just say, Hey, we're going to guarantee a division one, division two split, but so that division one and division two teams can go in and out of the schedule all day long, instead of doing, you know, all division ones and then all division twos. Now there's some pros to doing all division one, all division twos. I like getting out of my day early. We, we wrapped up with awards and I got to go watch the giants football game, right? I'm a, you know, I like to watch football. I'm a huge New York giants fan. I got to go watch NFL football on a Sunday. I got to watch two games uninterrupted and it was awesome, right? We got done in the morning. Hopefully, you know, we're going to go to uh, American Masterpiece this weekend in San Jose. We're going to get with our done, our day. We're going to get our day done pretty early, you know, 1, 12 o'clock. And then we're going to go to San Francisco and, you know, hang out downtown. That's an awesome perk. And D2s, they get to sleep in and I have a call time at 6 a.m. But so there's some pros to it. I'm not saying it's all negative, but that is, you know, it is stressful running around as a, um, as a coach at these competitions with, you know, like that one coach said, seven teams in 45 minutes. So. And I'm, I'm sure all Division One programs feel the same that I do, Brittany. So, what are your thoughts? You got anything you want to add to that? Um, does all did that all make sense to you? I remember a couple of years ago. I think it was GSSA. Maybe it wasn't. We had both teams or both divisions, you know, rotating in and out, like you said, and I mean, it doesn't bother me. I think it's cool to see like the different teams. I like to watch, so it's no big deal. Um, I do like being done at a decent time, but I definitely don't like the early call times. Um, (laughs) I mean, Sunday we got up at 4 a.m. And, you know, the convention center is like 30 minutes from my house at 5. So leaving at 5.30 in the morning, and that's just so I can have some time to, like, okay, we're here 10 minutes early type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it has its its pros and cons, you know? I mean, I think it just depends on what you would rather have. Would you rather sleep in or would you rather get done early? If it came down to that, I would rather get done early. Um, definitely rather get done early. But it honestly, it doesn't matter to me. Like, I'm okay with either or. And... I think all, I think I speak for all moms. I would definitely rather sleep in for sure, you know, till at least seven o'clock, but it's mm-hmm. nice being done early. Um, you know, and then depending, like if you're somewhere else, you know, we're at home in Bakersfield this weekend. So, but if you're somewhere else, you know, like San Jose, short drive to San Francisco, you can go explore a little bit. You have like the day, the rest of the day, even, you know, if it's at noon, you have the rest of the day to go do some things with the kids, go sightsee a little bit if you've never been there 
or just go do something and take advantage of being like out of town. That's like, I would sacrifice waking up early so we could have the rest of the day. Um, I, I would like to do that. Well, we're going to make it happen this weekend, San Jose, San Francisco. We went to a uh, Warriors game a couple years ago. It was a lot of fun. So <laughs> anyway, we'll, uh, Steph Curry with a shot, boy. Anyway, we're gonna let's get to a break, and when we come back, we're gonna get into a survey, a, a comment that we had on a survey, and um, oh yeah, so you don't want to miss that. Let's go. All right, and we are back, and we've only done this a couple of times where we've responded to some of your surveys. So a couple of weeks ago, I was trying to get ready for the episode with Shay. And I like to pull questions of the week, the questions that you guys send to us. I like to pull some of those and have our guests answer those questions. So I was come up with the questions. I went, well, let's see what questions parents or coaches have sent in and then try to see if there's one that's a good fit for Shay. I couldn't find any of them in the question of the week link that's there. So then I went to the survey link and was like, okay, let's find, let's see if there's some in the survey because in the survey we ask, Hey, you know, submit a question of the week. So I was going through, and for some reason, I looked in the the portion of the survey that says, what's something that the show should stop doing? And I haven't read the surveys in a long time because it's been a while since we, we used to really promote them. We had a good handful in, and now I think if you you know one comes in, you know it's not going to change the world. But I was going through, and I noticed a couple of new ones had come in and read one comment about what the show should stop doing. So B, do you mind enlightening the audience on what the show, this comment that was left on what the show should stop doing. <laughs> I have no problem doing this. It's if you've been listening to the show for a while, we made a joke a while back about plenty episodes ago about me getting one of these and it kind of like hurt my heart a little bit. I like really took it personal and I was like giving Jason some you know, venting sessions and things like that. I stopped reading these and I have not read any of them since then. And this has probably been a good 20 episodes ago. So now here's Jason. So is there anything we should stop doing on the show? This person writes in and says, in a recent show, it was said that we have to teach girls everything they need to know about cheer before they're 12 and start liking boys and quit. That statement is so unfair and simplistic of girls and their depth. I have never had a girl quit because of boys. Boys aren't the center of their world. Yes, we lose them as they get older due to burnout, want to play other sports, hang out with their friends, etc. But it's not just boys, and that statement was out of line. Our, sports, our sport demands so much time and energy from our girls. Give them some respect. So, Jason, if you would like to respond. Yeah, so... There is, there's, you know, I read that and I was like, this is so out of context that uh, like, are you kidding me right now? So what's the first thing that I wish I knew what episode I said it in so I could play it exactly the way it was, because I've said that several times and I, all of our American cheer families, especially if you've been with us for a while, have heard me say not that exact statement. That's not how I say it, but I've heard me say generally that statement I had heard. And I'm quoting a friend who told that to me. I have a friend, 
Casey Ballou of East Celebrity Elite, who told me that. And he's like my, you know, one of my tumbling buddies, right? He's the one who's, who really laid a good foundation for me is how to teach tumbling to athletes. And I remember him telling me, and I say it all the time at American. I know I've said it apparently at least once on the podcast. He always, you know, or he said this, and he said, you have to teach these girls everything they need to know before they turn, and I say 14, before they turn 14, because that's when they discover what boys are and you never see them in the gym again, which is basically what she quoted me saying, but there are some subtle differences. Um, one is she says that they flat out quit and I never insinuate that you might've taken it as that they flat out quit, but I'm not saying that girls flat out quit the sport because of boys, boys to me and how I took it from him was a placeholder hyperbole for their social life that girls eventually go, Hey, like there's more to life than just cheerleading. And I want to explore those other things, which uh, this coach acknowledged that they want to hang out with friends and they want to do other things, right? Et cetera. And I do not take that statement back at all, at least the way, the way I just said it. I do not take that statement back at all because I see it every single day that as the girls get older and what he meant by it was not that they they flat out quit. It's that when he said you don't see them at all at the gym, and when I say you don't see them at all at the gym anymore, it's not that they flat out quit. It's that you don't see them taking as many private lessons as they used to. Is that you don't see them taking as many extra classes as they used to. It's that you don't see them you know, going above and beyond the same way they used to when they were nine, now that they are 14 and 15 and want to be a part of social events. And this is 100% true. I've said this 8,000 times. B, you know I've said this 8,000 times on the podcast. When I compare senior red to youth black, I go, youth black, you know, they have a combined practice. Practice starts at 5 o'clock for them on Thursdays. At 4.30 on Thursdays, youth black is all there having open gym, and they're working on their tumbling and having fun in the, on the gym trampolines and just in the gym having fun, right? Practice starts at 4 o'clock or sorry, five o'clock, they're there at 4.30. Senior Red, you know, I'm lucky if they're there at 4.59, right? They come in right when practice starts or if they do get there early, they they conjugate together and just catch up on life. And I can tell that they're just talking about high school drama and all those things, right? And so I 100% see it every day. This is also a true statement that as the girls get older, it's the senior kids, it's the it's the girls in high school who ask me to rearrange practices and competitions for their social events. I don't get youth black kids or youth white kids that ask me to rearrange our practice schedule or for me to ask event producers to rearrange the competition schedule based on their social events. But I do I literally got two emails this week from parents in our gym, one parent said, hey, what time are they competing? I want to see if she can make it down to the competition or to uh, formal this weekend and make it a competition. I had another parent who said flat out, she will not be at the competition this weekend. She has formal. That's real. And I've been seeing that 
forever. I've been seeing that forever. As long as I've, as long as I've been coaching, I've been seeing that same thing happen. The other thing I want to address is that uh, she said something about, uh, and I know that this is a female coach because she eventually, she left two comments. Like there's multiple questions on the survey. And then the other comment, she said, my name is X, Y, and Z, right? And so I know who it is. Well, I don't know her personally, but like, I know that she said it. I know that it's a, it's a, a woman coach. She said this. Um, the other thing she said is like that the girls are dense and you know, that, you know, the only, you know, they're just so in love with boys that they just drop everything. And I don't, that I'm in, that she's insinuating that I only think that this is a girl problem. And that I just think girls are just the worst as far as commitment is concerned. And I don't see that at all. This podcast is a podcast based on my perspective and observations, my point of view on the, the way I see the things that I deal with in the cheerleading space. I am an all-star cheer coach. I coach predominantly youth female athletes. And so I'm commenting on what I see from youth female athletes, but I pretty much guarantee that youth baseball coaches see the same things from their boys that when their boys were nine, 10, 11, 12, they were gung ho. And the only thing that mattered to them was baseball. But as they turn 13, 14, 15, they don't take as many, you know, private lessons in baseball because they want to go hang out with the girl. I'm assuming the same thing happens on the male side as it does on the female side. I'm assuming it happens actually a lot worse because we all know how young teenage boys are. But I don't coach young teenage boys. I coach young teenage girls. And I've been seeing it for years. I have the utmost respect for the athletes, the female athletes in our program and in our sport. But I'm not going to pretend that they don't start to lose focus on cheerleading as they get older and start to have a little bit more focus on their social life and hanging out um, with their friends and going to dances. And I can't tell you how many times I want to be a part of homecoming. Hey, coach, I have the homecoming float. Can I be a part of it? Hey, coach, prom's coming up. Hey, coach, air band's coming up. Hey, coach, this is coming up. Can I go do this instead of be at practice when I don't get those same things from youth white or junior white or, you know, youth black and when I get it predominantly from our, our older athletes in the gym? So, you know, soapbox off of it. As a mother of two 12-year-old girls that – eat, sleep, and breathe cheerleading 24-7. Um, I And when they get their relaxed time, they get their relaxed time. But as they start to get older, even, even right now in, in seventh grade, they have told me that there are there is a girl on their school cheer team that misses practice to hang out with her boyfriend. So... As a mom, I understand like the frustrations 
that would come from a coach because you're just going to hang out with your boyfriend. Like, can't you hang out with your boyfriend on a Monday and Wednesday when there is no cheer practice? I, I can understand that, like, as a fr- frustration coming from a coach. When it comes to the girls getting older, um, and I'm trying to put myself in this position because I know the time is going to come, them getting into high school and the dances and formals and proms and the football games and things like that. I can completely understand um, the girls, and this is like a little bit off off track, I guess. Uh, I could understand the girls wanting to miss for those things as a parent. Um, me, as a parent, I would do everything that I you know, could to, hey, let's do both. I don't care if I'm in the car for 10 hours a day, you know, those type of things. But I understand where you're coming from as a coach, Jason, when you say that, like, they start to lose interest in, and I think it's, I I understand the boy perspective of, you know, the late, the whoever wrote this saying, it's just, it's not just boys. I can understand that as a girl mom, it isn't just boys. I personally know that I don't think you really meant it that way. Um, I do see like the social life is, is a big thing for these girls because even now, like when my girls don't have something going on on the weekends, they're wanting to be with their friends. So it's like, you're not even having like a chill weekend, just relaxing at home. You have no cheer. You're wanting to be on the go with your friends. So I see, I really truly see both sides of it. And even though I'm not a coach, um, but for all of us that are on youth teams, it's coming. Be prepared. Yeah. Again, I am not anti the girls having a social. The the whole point of that quote is that my my buddy, which is my buddy, was saying, Jason, make sure that as you're coaching the athletes, and he was basically saying, like, make sure you're trying to teach these kids as much as you can before they get to a point where they don't have the interest anymore. And he was saying, strike while the iron is hot is basically what he was saying. While they are still totally invested, teach them everything you can. It's not that he was saying they're going to leave the sport at 12 years old or 14 year old at 14 years old, which they do. Um, the data a hundred percent shows USASF came up with numbers of when athletes are leaving the sport. It peaks out at 12 and then at 14, it drops dramatic. It's like just downhill. It's crazy. Maybe I'll put, if I, if I'm smart enough, I'll send the graphic to Jenny so you guys can see it if you're watching on YouTube, but it's like dramatic. It just drops off super hard. And I'm not saying that the girls, you know, once they turn that age that they just flat out quit the sport. My point is that he was saying, teach them as much as you can strike while the iron is hot, because eventually their interest in the sport is going to cool off and you're not going to be able to teach them. They're not going to have that same, you know. Uh, growth curve as they used to have. So, so in order to have the best teams that you can in the future, teach them as much as you can now, and then have a steady growth from there. Cause it's not going to be as steep as it, as it used to be. And I accepted that. Okay. Yeah. I understand that. Like the kids, you're not going to see them in the gym as much as you used to. I accepted it for what it was. And I try to tell that to our parents. The one thing I try to tell our parents, hey guys, get your kids in classes right now because eventually they're not going to want to take extra classes anymore. I look around after I read that statement, I looked around at the gym. I thought, how many of our senior kids are taking private lessons? And there's a handful. When I look at all the private lessons being taken in the gym, if I look at all the classes being taken in the gym, 
it's a handful of our senior age, you know, senior red, senior black athletes. A, ma- a major majority of our classes are taken by the youngest kids in the gym, right? Like 12 and under. And then it's a, a huge drop off after that. Now there's some programs where I'm assuming a program like, I don't know, cheer athletics or world cup still have lots of older kids still taking private lessons because they have like these really, really, um, the fabulous world's teams and that, you know, the kids are trying to, you know, get as many skills as they can. But I feel that what I've seen that most gyms are in our shoes, as far as, you know, there's comes a certain point where the older kids just aren't taking as many private lessons as they used to. And it's because they just have other interests in their life. And it's not that the girls are dense or they just, you know, the, they're just boy crazy at this time, but you know, they just have other interest in their life and they want to be a part of that. And there's no problem with them wanting to be a part of that. I totally get that their, their lives change and all those things. But to, uh, but to say that I don't respect the girls because I noticed that they have interest in a social life, like fly a kite seriously. So anyway, if you want to say something on the survey, Oh, good. With that being said, uh, yeah, if you want to leave us a review or a question of the week, or if you want to, you know, let us know how we're doing in the survey, please do. But don't forget, our merch is on sale. Uh, Let's go. Starting tomorrow. So get you some of that. These t-shirts are super cool. Um, we have to, I have to give a shout out to the woman behind the magic, Ashley. Uh, she set this up for us. We have to give her a round of applause. So definitely get you some merch. We would love to see those shirts being repped around those competitions. There we go. But B, the shirts are already, when this episode releases, the shirts have already been on sale for a week. So anyway. (laughs) Truth. Truth. So much truth to that. But they can still get them. They'll still be on sale as they're listening to this. Yes. As they're listening, get your shirts. Again, they're only on pre-sale until January 31st. So once... Once it's February one, like they're not going to be there. So get your shirt right now. Link in the bio, link in the description, um, fill out a survey. We haven't had a, um, a review in a while. We used to pump the reviews out hard. Like, yo, do a review for us on Apple podcasts or Spotify. We haven't had one of those in a while. We actually had a two star not too long ago. Um, I'll talk about that in a future episode. It's not really what they said, but it's, it's something that someone else said to me that made me think of it. Anyway, um, we'll talk about it next week after Masterpiece. Anyway, uh, B, anything else you think we need to talk about? No, I'm good. All right, guys. Then, guys, leave a question of the week. This is actually really funny. A, a grandma DM'd me on my, on my Instagram. It was like, hey, is this where we leave? I'm a, I'm a grandma of a cheerleader. Is this where we, I can leave a question for the podcast? And I was like, yes, sure. I would love to hear your question. And then she never wrote me back. (laughs) So. (laughs) She's still thinking of a good Yeah. So leave your, uh, leave a five-star rating, leave a review, leave a comment, like it, share it, do all those things, make a donation. Until next time, five, six, seven, eight, we're out. Hey, Let's Talk Cheer podcast listeners, although this episode has come to an end, there are a few other cheer podcasts out there that you can add to your weekly routine. 
If you're a gym owner or gym director and want to dive more into the business side of things, then check out the Connecting People and Profits podcast with host Dan Cotton. If you're a former cheerleader and want to hear the success stories from other former cheer athletes after their cheering days are done, then you'd love the Life After Cheer podcast with host Danielle Donovan. And if you're a cheer parent and need another cheer parent to relate to and want to hear things from a cheer mom's perspective, then the Cheer Mom podcast is for you. Check one of them out, check them all out, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for watching the Let's Talk Cheer podcast. Definitely subscribe so you never miss out on anything from the show.